Sean Got Time here on the Breakfast Show. You're about to get back in. We're about to get back into the Bible study. We've got a bunch mm. of text messages to look at. See what you had to say for the first half of the show. We've also got the next question for our quiz. That's right. The next question for the quiz: What object does Moses turn into a snake to display the power of God? Zero four nine one zero six four six six nine is the number to call or text if you know the answer. And if you do, you can go into the draw to win two incredible, awesome biographical books that we'll be giving away at the end of this week. No Heil Hitler and A Thousand Shall Fall. Both of these stories coming from World War II and amazing ways that people stood up for their faith against the Nazi regime and won people to Christ. Okay, so while we're talking about World War II, uh, which created a lot of fear and trauma, uh, somebody's texted through here to say, Fear and trauma, I find it interesting that some of us have been bitten by wasps, bitten by dogs, attacked by birds, spiders, come out of it without any fear or trauma per se, Mm. although cautious of them. What I find fascinating is the fear of most women of mice. Okay, so producer Shell, producer Shanna, mice. What's your fear level when it comes to mice? Uh, we, we, we need to know the answer here this morning because we've got a text here that says most women are afraid of mice. Uh, mice I, something... I'd say my fear level is relatively high. Okay. Probably. Out of 100? Out of 100? Yes, yeah, out of 100. <laughs> 70? Okay, 7 out of 10, yeah? Yeah. We'll make it out of 10. 7 out of 10. Uh, we... Producer Shanna? Yeah, well, if they're running around, pretty scary, but if they're still in the corner, it might be all right. Okay. <laughs> yeah, out of 10, out of 10. Running around mice. Ugh. I don't know, like eight. <laughs> oh, oh, really? Okay, okay, okay. So the text message person who sent this through is absolutely correct. I have they? I have friends yes. that I can't even, and they're women. I can't even show them a picture of a mouse or a rat. They like they see a picture and they're like immediately like queasy and like afraid. I have a friend uh-huh. who is a dude, uh-huh. like as in a man's man, uh-huh. and he will freak. Over mice. Nothing uh-huh. else. Snakes, spiders, nah, 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 nah. mice just lose his mind. He, he was like reminded of the, of the bubonic plague. That's what he sees in a mouse. I don't know, but it's an irrational fear. Mm. See, there's a certain rationality to be afraid of snakes, particularly when you initially see a snake before you have identified whether that is a threat or not. Mm. That, that's, there's a rationality yeah, to that. And it, yeah, there's a lot of animals like that. But then also cockroaches as well. Like cockroaches are just... Harmless bugs. Just, no, they're not harmless they're just, bugs. Just they're just gross. plague. Gross, just, like, yucky, filthy. harmless blood. But, well, they're harmless in a sense, so they're not going to run up and bite you, but you want to kill them. But, yeah, people get so freaked out, but it's like they won't do anything. Interesting. We'll have to, to uh, talk to Jennifer Skews about irrational fears. We can also poll the listeners. Guys, 0491-064-669. What's your 1 to 10 fear of mice? I think my 1 to 10 fear of mice would be about 2. Yeah, same. Maybe maybe a three if a it's like if it's like showing its fangs. Maybe a four if it started to speak to me like that movie Ratatouille. Like that would really. I think freak my fear of my, my fear of mice hit a three when I had one run ap- across my pillow one night. Okay, that's uh, that's so gross. <laughs> Definitely hit a three. My detestation and hatred towards mice, on the other hand. <laughs> Is probably at about a 15. 11. <laughs> See a mice? Step on it. Um, <laughs> did I just say that on air? Yeah, Lyle was a violent man. Okay, so let us know. What, what's your thoughts on this? Uh, what's, your, what's your fear level of mice? Let's, let's find out today. 0491 Okay, so so far, anecdotally, um, our text messaging person is correct. 
Mm-hmm. Anyway, the Catholic Exodus Center in the Philippines, a nation that is 86% Catholic, 6% various Christian cults, 2% Protestant denominations. Can you see the correlation? I appreciate this happening in countries that are not Christian, but Satan's attack in these last days is specifically on those who call themselves Christians. That is a very How bad must be the situation in the Philippines to actually open a center for exorcism? Mm. That's, a really, that's a really interesting observation. I didn't think of that when I was looking at You've this You've got story. a country that's mostly Christian. It's almost entirely Christian. There's a small Muslim population and a almost non-existent secular population. And then you've got such high levels of demonic possession. As What's a going on? Mm. The devil is targeting people who want to follow Christ. He does not want them to follow Christ. Mm. He's not worried about Australia. Why would he worry about Australia? Yeah, we're legislating. They're secular. They're, like yeah. getting rid of Christianity. We're so. legislating child abuse in this country, so yeah. why would he worry about this country? Sure. Mm. You know, we were talking about that happening down in Tasmania in the news story earlier, and it's just... It's just bizarre. Mm. Anyway, let's go down here a little bit further and let's read this one. The world is going downhill fast. This is from Braden. Not only with the evil you are talking about with child abuse, Satan is working hard at dividing families and God's church. As when we are divided, we open ourselves up to attack. I have seen such an increase in marital issues. It's so true. The devil is trying to destroy the family because he knows if he can destroy the family, he can destroy us, he can destroy the knowledge of God. And, and the problem is that you know so many families that break apart, the result of that is that the children are lost mm. and often the parents as well. They just sort of never come back to church again. Yeah, It's, a, it's an, an enormous Super tragedy. Sad. Ah, uh, oh no, oh no, oh no, oh no, oh no, oh no, oh What's no. Wrong? Oh, I don't, I, I'm not going to read this text message. Why not? Sky sent one. I'm just not going to read it. What? What's it about? It's about mice. Ah. Uh. And the fact that I really detest mice. Ah. Uh. And they think they all should be dead. Uh huh. So Sky says, that's why you need a mouser. What does that mean? A cat. Oh. <laughs> oh, liar. <laughs> <laughs> That's so funny. <laughs> oh, dear. Okay, so somebody else texted through to say, I've had pet mice. They are so cute. But see, a running mouse unexpectedly across the ground always produces a scream from me. Uh-huh. I can't help it. Uh-huh. I pick up a huntsman, have saved snakes, but running mice? Nah. Okay. There you go. This is, there's something about them. That's so funny. That's, though, from please. Somebody, that's some, from someone who had pet mice. And appreciates just how cute they are. They are actually cute. Yeah. Well, it's like different. So you can get like a street rat. And that thing's pretty, Big. pretty gnarly looking. Oh, they're gnarly. Or you can just have like a, a little tiny mouse that you bought from the pet shop. Or a lab rat. Uh, yeah. You know, a lab rat that has like an ear growing out of it or something. <laughs> <laughs> Where's, let's get on to our Bible study. Let's get back to our Bible. Oh, wait, 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 wait. But wait. also, please let us know, you know, uh, let's let's do another poll on the Faith FM uh, text line. Please let us know if you think Lyle should uh, get something that will solve his m- mouse problem, which is a cat. Please. Yes. <laughs> no. <laughs> There are other solutions. All right, we're going we're gonna to move on to that Bible study right now, and uh, let's go to Genesis chapter 41. I believe we're up to Genesis chapter 41. That's right. In Genesis chapter 41, it says, Two full years later, 
Pharaoh dreamed that he was standing on the bank of the Nile River. In his dream, he saw seven fat, healthy cows come up out of the river and began grazing in the marsh grass. Then he saw seven more cows come up behind them from the Nile, but these were scrawny and thin. These cows stood beside the fat, uh, the fat cows on the river bank. Then the scrawny, thin cows ate the seven healthy fat cows. At this point in the dream, Pharaoh woke up. Yeah, I'd wake up too. That would definitely make me wake up. When I see cows eating cows, I'm like, it is time to wake up. Uh-huh. And cows eating cows, you know, that's kind of the, the thing that our brain does. In, our brain does weird and wonderful oh, yeah, and crazy things in our dreams. Mm-hmm. And so at this particular point, if I had been Pharaoh, I would have woken up and gone, okay, this is not a prophetic dream. That was pretty wild, though. I have mental issues. <laughs> yeah, like, I need, I need to see. Going, let me see. Do we have any? Yeah, do we have any counselors or... in Egypt? Like, yeah, yeah. But basically, this is two full years later. So Joseph has stayed in jail this entire time. So far, he was supposed to get a good word in with the uh, with the cupbearer, with the with the butler, but unfortunately, he didn't. But now. The, the pharaoh himself, the king, has had a hectic dream. Mm-hmm. Do you have fear of cows? Uh, not really. I got to see a cow give birth. You did. You told us about it. And it was cute, and its baby was walking around the next day. This is, like, on the weekend, and it was, like, stumbling. It was really cute, and there was, like, two baby cows hanging out with each other. The calves. Oh, like, so I, I like cows. I don't know. If it was like a big bull with horns, that I don't think I'm very afraid of that. But Okay, so oh, we've got, we got, we got well, people... We've got, we still got people regular are, cows, no. We've got people still with, people are afraid of mice. Tracy puts her fear at nine, whereas Freco puts his at zero. He's, he's, he's the man. He's just... But what about cows? Are people afraid, afraid of cows? Cows that eat other cows would be a bit scary. Yeah. I think lots of people die from cows each year. Like, more people than who die from sharks. You're listening to Faith FM, positively different radio. Should we be afraid of cows? Well, lots of, yeah, a huge amount of people die from cows. They die from eating them. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Okay, okay. Oh, this is, uh, the text message is going off this morning. Everybody's got something to say. Cows eating cows. Have you heard of mad cow disease? <laughs> That's what I'm thinking. And that is exactly where mad cow disease comes from, is when you feed cows to cows mm-hmm. in pellet form. Mm-hmm. Didn't yeah. think of that. Didn't put, not put that we connection to together. Back but, to- you know, we read this story here and we think, oh, that's pretty crazy. And then, well, actually, you know what? In modern society... We've done that. We've done this, yeah. On a mass scale. 100%. Yeah, we need We've to get, fed cows to cows. We just need to go back to feeding them CO2. That's their favourite meal. Yeah. That's what we do feed them instead of we feed them other cows. Grass. <laughs> just call it grass. <laughs> okay, so getting back to our Bible story right here mm-hmm. and these cows that have, you know, eaten other cows and you've got skinny cows and you've got fat cows and you've got seven of each, they're coming up out of the river which is a little bit unusual for cows, but, you know, maybe that's how it goes. I saw a cow crossing a river on the weekend. Mm. Uh, but Pharaoh wakes up and he wants an interpretation from this dream. If I woke up from this dream, I would not be looking for an interpretation. I would be thinking, what is wrong with me? What kind of mental illness do I have that I'm having this kind of a dream? But needless yeah. to say, Pharaoh recognises there is something about this dream where Pharaoh recognises that this is not an ordinary dream, but this is a dream from God. And he really, really needs to know the answer for it. Okay. Mm. 
But he continues on. It, yes. it says in verse five, but he fell asleep again. So it wasn't racking his brain that hard. He was, he, he's gone back to sleep. He's like, okay, I'm just going to sleep. He fell asleep again and had a second dream. This time he saw seven heads of grain, plump and beautiful, growing up from a single stalk. Then seven more heads of grain appeared. These were shriveled and withered by the east wind. And these thin heads swallowed up the seven plumped, well-formed heads. Then Pharaoh woke up again and realized it was his dream. Okay, so now you've got grain eating grain. Yeah. This is, you know, cows eating cows. All right, we have done that in our society, but Uh grain eating grain? Never seen. Uh, I didn't know grains had mouths. But I, I assume here in this, in this story, uh, yeah, essentially the grains would be taking over. The, the withered grains are taking over from the, from the you know, well, the good grain, which is actually interesting because, like, in both of these stories, you wouldn't expect that scrawny, weak cows could overpower and eat a... No, it's all wrong. The whole story is wrong. Yeah, it's backwards. But when you have the same story twice... You know, the first time you wake up and like, wow, what did I eat last night? Too much peanut butter on my toast before I went to bed. <laughs> and it's giving me weird dreams. Uh, but the second time when you have the same dream but in a, the same the same concept but in a vastly different context. Yeah. It's still an agricultural context but it's mm. a vastly different context. You would wake up and you're like, okay, there is something of significance to this. Mm. What is actually going on here? Mm. And if you're Pharaoh, you would be asking, are the gods trying to communicate with me? You've got 3,500 to choose from, so what is it that is actually taking place? Mm. How does he respond? What does he do? In verse 8, it says, The next morning, Pharaoh was very disturbed by his dreams. So he called for all the magicians and the wise men of Egypt. When Pharaoh told them his dreams, not one of them could tell him what it meant. They were just... They were lost. Which is unusual because back in those days, these guys were pretty skilled at being able to come up with interpretations, but this one is, what, what do you do with it? Yeah. I don't know. I feel like, well, we know what the rest of the story is. This is something that That's I've right. read before, and I feel like it's kind of clear from what's being said. Yes. But at the same time, yeah, I, I guess in the moment, like, without that insight, it's like, ooh, that's that's kind of tough. That's kind of random, Pharaoh. That's, that's really weird. And none of them can interpret. But then in verse 9, it says, Finally, the king's chief cupbearer spoke up. Today I've been reminded of my failure, he told Pharaoh. Some time ago, you were angry with the chief baker and me, and you imprisoned us in the palace of the captain of the guard. One night, the chief baker and I each had a dream, and each dream had its own meaning. And there was a young Hebrew man with us in the prison who was a slave and the captain of the captain of the guard. We told him our dreams, and he told us each what our dreams meant, and everything happened just as he's predicted. I was restored to my position as the cupbearer, and the chief baker was executed and impaled. Pharaoh sent for Joseph at once, and he quickly brought him from the prison. After he shaved and changed his clothes, he went in and stood before the Pharaoh. Okay. This is interesting because the butler is the one who speaks up the chief butler in other words the cupbearer mm. this is somebody who is a very high official mm. for the king probably one of the highest officials mm. and he has completely forgotten about this guy yeah he says i'm reminded of my failure yeah and you kind of wonder really he went 2 years where 
you have this really dramatic experience where your life is on the line and mm. you're about to die. You have a dream about that. Your dream is interpreted. You don't die. You would think that you'd be super thankful to have not died in a really horrendous way as the chief baker died, you know, just horribly tortured to death. <clears throat> and so you would think that it would be front and foremost in your mind that you would remember this person who had helped you out on this occasion. Mm. But this is not the case. Mm. Not at all. This is not what is taking place here. He has completely mm. forgotten about Joseph. Mm. And two years have passed, and you can think, you know, from Joseph's perspective, he's like completely given up. Mm. After the first month or two, he's like completely given up. The guy doesn't remember me. What do I do? So he continues to run the jail and be incarcerated in that jail. But then the butler speaks up. Mm. He remembers after yep. two years. And he's kind of a little bit hard on himself for having forgotten for so much time. <laughs> yeah. All right, so what do they do with Joseph? Well, he gets out of prison and shaves up and you know puts some nice clothes on to meet the Pharaoh. In verse 15 it says, Then Pharaoh said to Joseph, I had a dream last night. And no one can tell me what it means. But I heard that when you hear about a dream, you can interpret it. It is beyond my power to do this, Joseph replied. But God can tell you what it means and set you at ease. Okay, so there's some parallels that you've got here with the story of Daniel and his friends Mm. in the dream of Daniel chapter 2. Because in both of these, you have an emperor Mm. of a world superpower that receives a message directly from God. Mm. And in both of these situations, you have the cabinet that comes together and is unable to interpret the dream. Mm. In both of these situations, you have a man of God who comes in and is able to interpret the dream. And in both of these situations, you find that the man of God ascribes all glory and honor to God and Mm. takes nothing for himself. You know, as Daniel says, but there is a God in heaven mm. who has shown you this dream. Here he says, you know, I'm not able to do it. Uh, you know, God shall give Pharaoh an answer of peace. Mm. So does God give Pharaoh an answer of peace in this dream? Uh, not really. He gives him an answer, an answer that helps him. But uh, to say that it's an answer, well, the dream isn't very peaceful. Like, no. <laughs> so. And the results aren't peaceful either. It's not so much mm-hmm. that God is going to say, okay, there's going to be famine in the world. Oh, I'll make it nice for you here in Egypt. Mm. No, he's saying there's going to be famine in Egypt. It's mm. going to affect other parts of the world, but it's going to hit Egypt real hard. Mm. I think that's probably why Pharaoh was inclined to listen to Joseph because he's telling him the truth. And yeah. now he gets. Raphael texting through here say, let's not forget that it was God who gave Pharaoh the dream. Mm. His state of mind is controlled by God. And you really can see God's hand over all of what is taking place here mm. because, I mean, let's face it, you and I, if we were put in the situation of the counsellors, we could have come up with something for this dream. Mm-hmm. We, we could have invented some wild kind of interpretation that was super vague and would never happen so we'd never have to worry about it. Ah. But the situation is controlled by God so that the cabinet can't speak up and Pharaoh wants to know what the dream is all about. Mm. He recognises that this dream is not an ordinary dream, but this is is a supernatural dream. Mm. All right, where are we up to? In verse 
17, the Bible says, So Pharaoh told Joseph the dream. In my dream, he said, I was standing on the bank of the Nile River, and I saw on the bank uh, seven fat, healthy cows come up out of the river and begin grazing in the marsh grass. But then I saw seven sick-looking cows, scrawny and thin, coming up out of them. I've never seen such sorry-looking animals in all my time in the land of Egypt. These thin, scrawny cows ate the seven fat cows, but afterwards you wouldn't have known it, for they were still as thin and scrawny as as they were before. Then I woke up. Then I fell asleep asleep again and had another dream. This time I saw seven heads of grain, full and beautiful, growing up from a single stalk. Then seven more heads of grain appeared, and these were blighted, shriveled, and withered by the east wind. And the shriveled heads swallowed the seven healthy heads. I told these dreams to the magicians, but no one could tell me what they meant. Joseph responded, both of Pharaoh's dreams mean the same thing. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM. Positively different. Let's have another a final question for our quiz, Lawson. While David fled from his son Absalom, what 80-year-old Gileadite? Man assisted him in exile. I wanted to make sure I got that pronunciation right. Gileadite. 0491-064-669 is the number to call or text. If you know the answer, you will go into the draw to win A Thousand Shall Fall and No Hal Hitler. Amazing books coming from the Second World War, all about uh, people standing for their faith under the Nazi regime. Your name will go into the draw if you have the correct answer, which will be drawn on Friday. So be ready for that. But again, that question was, where, while David fled from his son Absalom, what 80-year-old Gileadite man assisted him in his exile? All right. If you know the answer, then give us a call right now or text your message through. Okay, so let's go to back to our Bible study that we were looking at. Yes. And let's consider what is taking place in this study. Let's just keep reading here because, you know, Joseph now interprets the dream. That's right. Joseph says, Both of Pharaoh's dreams mean the same thing. God is telling Pharaoh in advance what he is about to do. The seven healthy cows and the seven healthy grains both represent seven years of prosperity. The seven thin, scrawny cows that came up later and the seven thin heads of grain withered by the east wind represent seven years of famine. This will happen just as I have described it, for God has revealed to Pharaoh in advance what he is about to do. The next seven years will be a period of great prosperity throughout the land of Egypt, but afterwards there will be seven years of famine so great that all the prosperity will be forgotten in Egypt. Famine will destroy the land. This famine will be so severe that even the memory of a good year will be re- will be erased. As for having two similar dreams, it means that these events have been decreed by God, and he will soon make them happen. Therefore, Pharaoh, you should find an intelligent and wise man and put him in charge of the entire land of Egypt. Then Pharaoh should appoint supervisors over the land to let them collect one-fifth of all the crops during the seven good years. Have them gather all the food produced in the good years that are just ahead and bring it to Pharaoh's storehouse. Store it away and guard it so there will be food in the cities." That way, there will be enough to eat when the seven years of famine come into the land of Egypt. Otherwise, this famine will destroy the land. Indeed, if you look at the inscription on the tomb of the provincial governor, man by the name of Armeni during this particular period right here, it reads thus, 
No man was unhappy in my days, not even during the time of famine, for I had tilled all the fields of the gnome of Ma up to its southern and northern frontiers. Thus I prolonged the life of its inhabitants and preserved the food which it produced. Mm. This famine is... In, is is well recognised in history and in inscriptional evidence. I was in mourning on my throne. Uh, those of the palace were in grief. My heart was in great affliction because the Nile had failed to come in a time period of seven years. Mm. Rain was scant. Kernels were dried up. Scarce was every type of food. That's an inscription on the island of Sihel mm. in Egypt. Ah, here we go again. This one is... Where's this one from? Just Let me just... Uh... And this is this from the Ipawa uh, paper, papyrus. <clears throat> Nay, but the heart is violent. Plague stalks through the land and blood is everywhere. But the river is blood. Oh, this one's talking about, um, this one's further on, mm. uh, talking about the, the exodus. Yeah. Okay, so there's a, there's a couple of uh, inscriptions that we've got right there from the land of Egypt itself which speak exactly about what we are reading right here. Mm. Okay, so let's go back to our story and let's... See what Joseph recommends. Joseph has said, look, there's going to be famine for seven years. And you imagine, here in Australia, we had a drought for around about that period of time. So we had Mm. famine for that period of time. And we were able to survive that to some extent because we had reserves, Mm. large reserves. And right now we're in the process of replenishing those reserves because we're having good years. We've Mm. had two good years in a row so we can replenish our reserves. The dams are full again. The rivers are full again. There is water again. And as a result, what we're going to do now is we're going to store grain. We're going to store hay. We're going to store uh, water as much as we can so that because we know that drought is coming back again. That's the cycle that we have here in Australia. Egypt, of course, didn't have that cycle. The Nile came up every year, flooded the land, watered the land, and then went back down again. It didn't rain in mm. Egypt. It was watered by the rise, the annual rise of the Nile. Now, when the Nile doesn't come up for seven years straight, basically everybody starves. Yeah, This would bring the world's greatest empire to its knees because no one would be left alive because everybody would die of starvation. And we see this in you know, undeveloped countries around the world when they have a drought, Millions of people literally just die of starvation Mm. because they can't produce food and because they're not in a position to be able to produce reserves. That's right. And so what Joseph institutes here is a system of reserves. Mm. And this is the foundational system of every successful business that there is. So your standard business practice is that you have 12 months of reserve minimum. Mm. so that if your income stops tomorrow, you can still continue to function for another 12 months in uninterrupted just on your reserves. That's how a successful business runs today. Well, you know, pe- people are kind of subverting that method by getting every penny that gets invested and reinvesting it in the business and running at a loss for 10 years and then in the hope of making a profit. Yes, high risk. Yeah. High risk. Which is, yeah, doesn't But we're talking about businesses that don't wise, fold. <laughs> wise, wise businesses. Yeah, that's right. And wise businesses will have a reserve so that they can continue to function mm-hmm. uh, once that business closes yeah. down. Yeah. And so Joseph has instituted this. Like, okay, we've got uh, seven years of famine coming up, seven years when business will be non existent. Store a fifth. We need to be able to survive that. How can we do that? All right. So mm. they build storehouses and they're having really successful years and they are just filling those storehouses. Mm. Well, I think like we've read up to Joseph tells them this and it's like, 
ooh, this isn't necessarily good news, but Joseph at the same time is, I love it how his suggestion is, you know what you should do? Find a really smart person to help you run the country. Someone who's really smart, maybe who can tell dreams. Like, no, he doesn't, he doesn't say that. <laughs> no, he doesn't. But it's like, yeah, like, you just need to do this, that, and the other. Just appoint someone to be in charge of this. But then make sure that someone's in charge as well. Now we get to their response in verse 37. It says, Joseph's suggestions were well received by Pharaoh and his officials. So Pharaoh asked his officials, can we find anyone else like this man who is so obviously filled with the spirit of God? Then Pharaoh said to Joseph, since God has revealed the meaning of the dreams to you, clearly no one else is as intelligent or as wise as you are. You will be in charge of my court and of all my people will, and all my people will take orders from you. Only I sitting on my throne will have a rank higher than yours. This was not uncommon in ancient Egypt. The grand vizier would hold very, very high rank. Mm. And there are inscriptions that describe viziers of Egypt that match exactly what we're going to read here in the Bible in just a moment. Mm. So this is an interesting move for Joseph. Mm. He was the favoured son of a wealthy landowner. Mm. Then he became a slave. Mm. Then he became a prisoner. So for the last 13 years he's been going down, 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 down. He has reached rock bottom and usually when people are at rock bottom they start climbing back out again if they're going to come back out. Mm -hmm. Okay, not everybody comes out of rock bottom. But those who come out they start climbing back out one step at a time. You know, he could become a janitor of the court of the yeah. of the king, something like this. Exactly. That yeah. would be infinitely better than... A prisoner. A prisoner. Yeah. But he doesn't. He goes from prisoner to prime minister in one move. This is kind of like Nelson Mandela in type fact, thing. In fact, he goes from, yeah, but prisoner to, to prime minister for Mandela was over a period of, a lot of years. This is in one day. Yeah, well... This is within the space of 10, 15 minutes. His campaign is a conversation. This is how God works. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM. Positively different. We'll be going through some... Quiz question answers. The first answer was Agag. The second was the Ark of the Covenant, very famous box that the, the commands were, commandments were kept in. The next answer was Luke chapter 12 and verse 2. After that, it was the staff. That's what Moses turned into the snake or what God turned into a snake. And finally, uh, the last answer, the Gileadite man, his name was Barzillai. Barzillai, I believe that's how you pronounce it. But uh, that is all of our quiz answers for this morning. But right now it is time for... Question of the day. All right, Lyle. We're, we're talking about... Well, actually, earlier today we are talking about the, the American National Anthem and how amazing it is and just how incredible. And we're talking about battles again because that's where kind of the american national anthem comes from and well it doesn't come from this specific battle this question asks is the battle of armageddon in the book of revelation literal been getting a lot of questions about the battle of armageddon ever since the war in ukraine started particularly in relationship to gog and magog who are seen as being involved in the battle of armageddon a lot of people saying that you know gog and magog well that's russia and they have to get rid of ukraine so that they can invade ukraine and they can come down through turkey and they can invade uh, the land of Palestine because they are the king of the north. Um, just reading online here, you know, a popular theory 
and this is a theory. Gog is a person who rules the land of Magog or Russia. Magog means the prince of Rosh. Rosh is the root word for the land of Russia. There's massive assumptions all the way through here that are just huge leaps of theology that have nothing to do with exegesis. That is really quite scary. Scary, you know. Persia is, uh, you know, it talks about Persia and you know Africa and so forth, all combining to uh, arrive. So it lists Persia, which is Iran. Uh, it lists Kush as being Ethiopia, whereas Kush is not actually Ethiopia. Kush is uh, the Sudan. Mm-hmm. Um, and all of the black nations of Central Africa. It mentions Libya and North Africa. It mentions Germany. It mentions Asia Minor and Turkey. And all of these nations combining together to fight Israel in the Battle of Armageddon in the Valley of Megiddo. Okay, so you're talking about a tiny valley here. When you travel to Israel and you see the Valley of Megiddo, it is kind of like one of the valleys... So we, we're broadcasting the breakfast show from Newcastle. So imagine one of the valleys that kind of is one of the side valleys on the Hunter Valley. Mm-hmm. That's like the Valley of Megiddo. And you're going to have the armies of Russia and Iran and Ethiopia and the combined nations of Central Africa and Germany and Turkey, which are some of the biggest armies in the world that are all going to combine in the Valley of Megiddo to try and wipe out Israel. Okay, so from a logistical perspective, this is ridiculous. Mm. From a biblical perspective, it is based on the interpretation of looks like, sounds like. Oh, you know, it says the Prince of Rosh. So that kind of sounds like Russia, and Russia is a bit of a bad guy who is in the north. Ah, there we've got it solved. There are a lot of nations north of Israel, and any one of them can be the king of the north. Mm. The king of the north was the Romans. Why was it the Romans in uh, Daniel chapter 11? It was also the Greeks in Daniel chapter 11 because they invaded from the north. They didn't come from the north, but they invaded from the north. Mm. And so people come to these conclusions because like, looks like, sounds like. The word Russia doesn't even come from the 6th century BC when Ezekiel was writing this. He wasn't writing about Russia when he talked about you know, the prince of Rosh had nothing to do with Russia because that word didn't come until the Vikings invaded Kiev Mm. and they were known as rowers and the word was Rus, rowers. They rowed into Kiev, they conquered it and they ruled from there and if you're going to have the king of the north as being the Rus, that's actually the Ukraine, so it's kind of backwards. So they literally rushed into Russia on their rowboats and now they're called Russians. Kind of like that. Amazing. Okay, so is the Battle of Armageddon literal is symbolic? Okay, the word Armageddon has nothing to do with the Valley of Megiddo because the Valley of Megiddo is a, Megid- is a valley. Uh-huh. Armageddon doesn't say Valley of Megiddo. It says Armageddon. The prefix there is the word Ha, Megiddo. Ha means mountain. Mountain is the opposite of a valley. Uh-huh. And the word Megiddo means a place of slaughter. Uh-huh. And so what you have with the valley with the Battle of Armageddon is yes it does have there is a literal war against God that takes place at the end of time you can read about it in Revelation chapter 16 I saw three unclean spirits like frogs come out of the mouth of the dragon the beast and the false prophet they're the spirits of devils working miracles which gather together the kings the political leaders of the earth to the battle of Armageddon 
Mm. You have a global gathering together against God at the end of time. This is a war that takes place against God. How does it take place against God? By trying to destroy God's people on a global scale. So there is a literal aspect to it. There is a symbolic aspect to it. It results in a literal mountain of slaughter when Jesus returns and the wicked are destroyed. Fantastic stuff. Okay, so if you would like to, if you're in the Newcastle area this weekend. Yes. If you're in the Newcastle, Port Stephens area. Uh Uh-huh. Or somewhere around there. Uh I'll be speaking at the Port Stephens Seventh Avenue Church this Saturday. Oh. At 11 o'clock. So come along and join us. We'd love to have you there. Yep. And I won't be going. Uh, firstly, because I don't really want to watch Lyle speak. I speak to him every day. No, nah, I'm, I'm, I'm just joking around. Uh, but I actually won't be going because I'll be going to my own church at the Newcastle University. So, Okay, so if you'd like to meet the presenters here on The Breakfast Show, you can go to uh, Port Stephens or you can go to Newcastle Uni Church. Just give us a call. Number is 0491 for the details. But, of course, as you go through this day, do not forget to talk faith, to live faith, to act faith, and you will grow strong in Jesus Christ. God be with you till we meet again. God be with you till we meet again. By his counsel's guide uphold you, with his sheep securely fold you. God be with you till we meet again. Until we meet Thanks for being a part of the Faith FM family. Join our community on Facebook or get in touch at 1-800-FAITH-FM.